Reaching Tax Flow podcast, where the goal is to empower and educate you to legally and ethically minimize taxes paid over your lifetime. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Today, episode 61, we are going to have a great show where we look at, for the first time ever, I believe the first time ever we've ever even dove into this at all, it's the used clean vehicle tax credit. That's right, it's for personal use, but used, sometimes referred to as pre-owned, clean vehicle tax credit. So what does that mean? You're about to find out. But before we do that, let's take a moment as always and thank our sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Strategic Associates. Are you a high income earner, real estate investor, or successful entrepreneur who is frustrated by having to pay $75,000 or more of annual tax liability? If so, Strategic Associates can help. Your first step to saving thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, is to contact Roger Roundy at roger at strategicag.net or by calling 801-641-2956 and be sure to tell them TTF sent you. Obviously, you've seen it in the show title, you read it in the description, you heard it in the intro, but I'm going to reiterate it. Today, we're talking about used clean vehicle credits. That's right. Used clean vehicle, used cars, previously owned, new to you, whatever you want to call these things. We're talking about clean vehicles. So that's your your EVs, your Teslas, your, I guess, hybrids. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about it here. I don't know if that qualifies, but... I'm bringing on the man, as always, that has all the answers to all my ridiculous questions at times. So, Chris Picuro, welcome back to the show, my man. What's happening? Oh, it's great to be back. And, well, John, you might have some crazy questions once in a while, yet the answer to almost all the questions in the tax world is, it depends. Ooh, right? That's like asking somebody on a date, and they're like, uh, you know, can I get back to you a little bit? But I get it. It makes sense, right? Everybody's situation's different. So this topic I'm personally excited about. Obviously, I mean, you're from Michigan too. So we see, you know, vehicles, new, old, and everything in between kind of rolling around the streets. Um, Chris, I don't even know if you know this about me. I know we always share a lot of weird stuff, but, you know, I actually went to college um, for one of my first college degrees on upper engine performance. So literally to rebuild cylinder heads and intake manifolds for race cars. I don't know if you knew that. I didn't know that. And that's very interesting. You're a, you're an enigma. And um, (laughs) it's better than an annoyance. (laughs) We have a, from what I've heard a pretty prestigious school in the automotive world here in Nashville uh, called Nashville auto diesel college. This is what I'm saying. This is what I've heard. So, I can well, imagine I a clean vehicle just meant that you actually got a detail and that it's clean. That would qualify for that. Would be nice. I know my wife doesn't listen to this, but I wish she <laughs> did that. Everyone, so I take the leaf blower too and blow out the kid Cheerios. There you go. There's our clean vehicle. But so this topic is really interesting to me, right? Because it almost well, we won't. Get, I won't get into all the details. Obviously, we'll we'll do this with some form of format. But it's very interesting because now we're talking about used clean vehicles. So if I say EVs instead of clean vehicles, we're not just pigeonholing EVs, but now these have been out in the market for some time, right? So the opportunity now to purchase a used one now is an option for people where, you know, I remember when Tesla was just getting fired up, you know, using that for for one example. Um, and there were no used ones out there because everybody could only find you find new ones, right? So Chris, to you at first glance as a CPA, 
tell us a little bit about this. And then I know there's some caveats, if we will, within this new credit from the IRS. So give us kind of your your overview on what we're looking at here with this. Well, there are some caveats. And to set the stage, there has been a clean vehicle. There's some interchangeable terminology, but let's just say clean vehicle for purposes of uh, vehicles that are either electric or hybrid. There's been a credit for those vehicles for quite a few years, but it was always limited to new vehicles. And there was limitations based on how many were manufactured. Um, Starting here in 2023, under the Inflation Reduction Act, a lot of those things changed. We have a new new clean vehicle credit. We have a new commercial clean vehicle credit. And guess what, guys? We'll do some podcasts on those in the new year. So I know you're at the edge of your seat for those. But we wanted to escalate the used clean vehicle credit because this is the first time you would be, you are, taxpayers are eligible to receive a federal tax credit for purchasing a used vehicle. You're going to hear uh, you know, you're going to hear previously owned out there, but we're just going to use the term used. So beginning January 1st of 2023, if you buy a qualified used electric vehicle or fuel cell vehicle from a licensed dealer for $25,000 or less, you might be eligible for this tax credit. The credit is 30% of the sale price with a maximum credit of up to $4,000. So what that means, John, is if let's say you bought an eligible EV and it was $20,000, 30% of $20,000 is 12000 no, 30% of twelve is $6,000. Not good numbers, John. By the way, <laughs> by the way, whenever I play pickleball, I, you knew it had to come wrong. I usually there say it is. it's more wrong at one point in the game because I'm a little bit of an intense player. And my running joke is, sorry, I'm not good with numbers. Now, my friends that I play with know I'm an accountant and they just chuckle it off or they roll their eyes and say it's a dad joke. Uh, but for people that don't know me, they're like, yeah, I understand. And, and I just, but <laughs> it's so like, oh the, man. So the, the credit would be $6,000, uh, 30% times $20,000, yet the maximum credit would be $4,000. So you would be eligible for a $4,000 credit, but there are some limitations. It's, it's, because that is a non-refundable credit. And and so, Chris, really, it's, you know, let's, if we pump the brakes, you know, pun intended, there's my dad joke. I don't have a pickleball joke, but, but I do have that one. So basically what you're saying here so far is that, um, and this is only for households, so for personal use, right? This is not for businesses at all that we know of. Um, is that correct, or is that one thing that's still kind of out there? Right. Well, this credit under IRC, Internal Revenue Code Section 25E, is for personal use, personal use clean vehicle credit, or uh, used clean vehicles. Now, remember, there is a new commercial vehicle credit. Now, that doesn't mean this ve- the vehicle that you purchase as a personal vehicle couldn't have a portion uh, of, of business use. So may- maybe you're a free, you know, maybe you're, you have some business miles and you you drive a couple thousand miles, you freelance and you you have home office deduction, you have a thousand miles or 500 miles. You can still take the mileage deduction. Uh, but this, this is a credit for a personal used vehicle. Now, I mentioned Actually, what you just said there 
you know, this is how your brain works. And I know it, right? Like you just said something really important that you probably didn't even realize how many people that appeals to. Right. And really what you said there, right, is there is a difference between really wh who the vehicle's registered to. If it's registered to a business, if it's registered to an individual, but I, I won't, well, maybe it's a loophole. I don't know if that's the right term for it. But like you just mentioned there, if you're, a, if you're able to take the mileage on that, that appeals to a whole nother audience, right? So that's, I, I know you just kind of rattle these things off and you, you know, you, that's how your brain, your brain's ticking. Things are just coming out. But I think that's a great point to make. And I wanted to reiterate that just so people understand that for say self-employed. Right. Exactly. So if you're self-employed and you buy a used clean vehicle and it's in your personal name and it's a personal use vehicle, there might be some business use. You can still be eligible for this credit. Now that's where it gets tricky. Because the credit is non-refundable, and I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast already listened to our podcast about solar credits and how home home <laughs> home efficiency. Of course, credit. I did. But just in case you didn't, what that means is that a non-refundable credit only only applies if there's an actual tax due. <clears throat> so if your total so John, let's say you bought the $20,000 vehicle, multiply that by 30% is $6,000. The maximum credit is $4,000, but your tax is $3,000. Then you can only use $3,000 of the $4,000, meaning this, this, ta this vehicle credit can't be more than your actual federal income tax, but it can wipe it out. That, that's what non-refundable means. So really, this is pretty limiting for the most part on on who could really take advantage of this too. And then also, you know, something else you mentioned there earlier on that's pretty important is it has to be from a licensed dealer. You know, you can't be on Facebook Marketplace, buy a used vehicle that's 19 grand. Like it has to come from a licensed dealer, not a private seller, correct? Correct. So let's talk about what the so we're going to talk about what the qualified vehicle and sale looks like. Then we will shift gears. Ooh, okay. To talk about who who qualifies. So I it, like it. <laughs> the sale has to qualify, and the and the purchaser has to qualify. So let's talk about the actual vehicle. The vehicle has to be has have a sale price of twenty five thousand dollars or less, and that includes all dealer imposed costs or fees not required by law. If it doesn't include a cost or fee required by law, such as taxes or title or registration. So it doesn't include sales tax, title, and registration. So the point is, if the sale price is $26,000, but $3,000 was title and registration fees required by law, you still qualify. The vehicle has to be a model year at least two years earlier than the calendar year when you buy it. So the IRS uses the example. A vehicle purchased in 2023 would need to be a model year 2021 or older. The vehicle has um, had not already been transferred after August 16th, 2022 to a qualified buyer. The vehicle must have a gross weight rating of less than 14,000 pounds. It has to be an eligible plug-in EV. Uh, with a battery capacity of at least seven kilowatts, which again, we're not trying to get too technical on this podcast, and it has to be primarily used in the United States. The point is, 
you're deal the dealer. And you, John, Jenny made a good point. It has to be purchased from a dealer. It can't be purchased, John, from your cousin Vinny. I wouldn't. If I had a cousin, cousin, Vin, cousin Vinny, I don't know if I'd trust What's him anyways. Said so if I did have a cousin Vinny, I don't know if I'd trust him anyways. You know, I, I probably you selling you an EV without a battery or something. Who knows? Well, so so the vehicle has to come from a from a dealer, and the dealer reports that sale to the IRS. So you, the IRS is going to find you know have a, some type of report to match up, most likely the VIN number and your social security number. If you're concerned about, do you have a vehicle that qualifies? The dealer is going to know, not that all the dealers are the most trustworthy individuals in the world. You can go to fueleconomy.gov and check to see if the vehicle you're going to purchase is eligible. And John, we're going to put a link to that in the um, in the podcast notes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and as, you know, as the IRS starts to you know rev up, here's another one of my dad jokes. Yeah. You know, rev this up a little bit um, and the market, we won't necessarily say whatever becomes saturated with vehicles that would qualify for this. But again, as we mentioned a little bit earlier and, you know, we got into a bit, there are these limiting factors. I mean, this is coming from a, from a gearhead, you know, like myself is, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm literally pulling this out of the air. So there is no, please don't fact check me because I already know that I'm going to be wrong here. But, you know, thinking of a Tesla, for example, I believe that the average lifespan of a battery in those is about seven, eight, nine years. So, I mean, of course, we're getting past the you know three year here, but the cost of replacement is very significant. Um, if I remember right, we had a we had a buddy down south who I, I want to say they spent like seven or eight thousand uh, dollars, maybe even more, out of pocket just to replace a high mileage battery on one from an earlier year. So, kind of consider that, right? If you're you know weigh your options. I think when, when approaching this is, you know, is the credit worth it? But obviously looking at potential repair costs based on that, because it is, I mean, I could tell you another example, you know, somebody gets in a, in a fender bender with, not to talk about Tesla's all day long, but I know there's an example. They waited over a year for a new bumper because there's no, there's no parts right. for them. So there's considerations to be made. And that's why for, for the right buyer, we talk about, you know, in teaching tax flow, the three laws. Tax laws are in, encourage and discourage certain behavior because tax agencies are your involuntary business partner. The intent of this law is to help and encourage certain segments of, of society to buy an electric vehicle. Maybe those are people that couldn't afford to buy a brand new uh, EV, hence the $25,000 or less sales price. Challenges aren't that many vehicles, $25,000 or less that are three, four years older. So now you're looking at a much older vehicle that might have some, uh, that might have some, some, uh, deferred maintenance. It's like you're, you're mentioning. Mm -hmm. So hopefully as time passes by, right. They would, uh, I mean, hopefully, um, oh man, I had, I'm full of jokes here. I just thought of another one, you know, as the IRS may go the extra mile and, uh, (laughs) with this, you know, maybe they'll open it up or realize, you know, kind of the impl- implications of this. Um, but I know we talked previously, right? Like these factors, again, is, is not meant for everybody. Um, it's all public information. So everything we're talking about out there, I mean, it's an easy reference. Um, obviously, you can fact check that. Um, but I know Christy had some other, uh, you know, other components of this Absolutely. that we definitely go into. 
And that's something to consider. We're not sitting here, you know, again, with this tax credit and, and some of the tax, some of the some of the continuing education classes that I was instructing for other accountants, we kind of made the joke that this this credit's a little bit of, of all hat and no cattle. That being said, shout out to our friends at the Wildlife Partners, by the way. Not that they have cattle, though, but they have some wicked hats. Um, <laughs> and they're just really great people. I love those. Oh, guys. man, they are. But but the thing is, this credit's going to be around for the next 10 years. So although we might not see a lot of, of 2023 credit claims, we think that this is a long play looking at the, the quality and longevity of these vehicles. So may, so a vehicle that's four or five years old that you're purchasing in 2029 is probably going to come in with less deferred maintenance than a three, four, five-year-old EV right now, but do with technology. So that the positive here is this is a credit that's going to be around you know, for the next 10 years. It goes all the way to December 31st, 2032. Now, let's talk briefly about who qualifies, okay? Because you've got the type of vehicle, type of transaction. The last hurdle is going to be who's going to qualify for this. And you must be the following, John. You must be an individual who bought the vehicle for use and not resale. So this isn't someone that buys and flips vehicles. This is what this is saying is if you're in the business of reselling vehicles, this is not a credit for you. You can't be the original owner, hence the used vehicle. You can't be claimed as a dependent on another person's return. And this gets tricky because a lot of times when we start looking at the the, the other qualifications, when we talk, when we look at income, you know, imagine you're a parent, your child's, you know, going off to college, 18, 19 years old. You'd like to buy a, a, a modest vehicle. You'd like it to be electric. Uh, and you're thinking, well, why don't we just have the child buy the vehicle since they're going to be under the income threshold that I'm going to talk about in a moment. And that makes sense, right? That's good tax planning. Hey, have the child buy it, not the parent. Put it in the child's name. But well, guess what? You can't be a dependent on another person's return. So now that you're disqualified and you can't, you can't have claimed this credit uh, at any time in the last three years. Hopefully, when you buy a used EV, it's going to last you more than three years anyway. That's the hope. Right. That's the so, goal. That is the goal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up by talking about the modified adjusted gross income restrictions, meaning this is the real tough part if you haven't thought this is tough already. If you're over a certain income threshold, you're ineligible for this credit. And this is what's called a cliff, meaning some tax credits, like child tax credit, they phase out with certain income, earned income credit. This is a cliff. If you go over the cliff, boom, you're, you get nothing. So your modified adjusted gross income, which is typically your AGI or adjusted gross income, for married, filing, joint, or surviving spouses can't exceed $150,000 to be eligible. For head of household, it can't go over $112,500. And for all other filers, which would be married, filing, joint, or separately, single, $75,000. So those are pretty low minimums or maximums. The, the good thing is you could use your modified AGI from the year you take delivery of the vehicle or the year before, whichever is less. So that's a positive because, because let's face it, John, not too many people that make under $75,000 are running around buying 
a $20,000 used EV. Right. It just right. doesn't make, you know, and, and if they are at that point and they have dependents, they might not even have much tax to pay. Um, and, and that's where, you know, this is, this is a, I think this is, could be a very valuable credit. I think it could be, it's going to be used down the road as the years go on. I hope it gets expanded upon for the consumer. But this credit, as we dove into it, and many of our ta tax professionals agree, again, to use that all hat, no cattle, it might be some type of propaganda by the, by the government to say, look, we, you know, we care about, you know, sustainability. We care about being green. So we passed this credit that basically not many people are going to be registered, uh, eligible for. And even if they are eligible, it's a non-refundable credit. And the people that are eligible probably don't pay that much in tax anyway. Not to poo-poo the right. credit, but, you know, I just don't want people in, in the teaching tax flow community. And, and again, we've had a lot of people reach out about this through our different channels going in, assuming I'm, I'm just going to get a $4,000 credit because that's what I heard. Right. And that's actually, Chris, what you mentioned that it's, you know, some time ago, I mean, this could even be five years ago or so. I remember, I think the Volt, the Chevy Volt was a big one. Um, and again, don't fact check me on this one, but I feel like it came out that some dealers were using that as part of their advertising and their marketing, that there's credits and they miss, um, misworded it, we should say. And uh, kind of it was implied that it's also on lease vehicles, which we won't get into, but that's not the case because it's never, a lease vehicle is never truly deeded, if we will, registered to you as an individual. So obviously it's a whole other thing. Um, so that was interesting, I remember. But as far as for everything we have here, I mean, there, there are some limitations that we ran through. The good thing is, is that they're pretty cut and dry what they are. It's just obviously who qualifies for them. You got to check check the right boxes and all the boxes and not some of the other ones. Um, so I promise, Chris, this is my last joke about us. You know, I'm glad we took a look under the hood, or I should say the frunk instead of hood, because true EVs have front trunks. And yeah, anyways, well, well, any, uh, any closing notes on this? Yeah, the final thing I want to mention, and we'll put this in the show notes as well, to claim this credit, you're just going to file a form 8936 or your tax professional is going to help you out with it. And um, in my last piece of advice is before you purchase a vehicle, just make sure you're, it's, and if you I think it's going to be eligible, make sure it is and, and feel free to reach out to the, hear us here at Teaching Tax Flow or, or in our channels and, and we're happy to help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Chris, for diving into this with us. Um, everybody for listening on this. Again, great topic that we dove into. Something a little bit different than normal. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people expected us to talk about you know business deductions with vehicles. This one's great because we get into the personal side of it. But then also we will drop those links in there. You can click on them. Please follow along. Any questions, reach out with those. But until that, you reach out if you have questions. We're here if you need us. We will see you same place, same time here on the Teaching Tax Flow podcast next week. Thank you to everybody for hanging out with us here on this episode of the Teaching Tax Flow podcast. I'm sure you have questions about this as we all did the first time we've seen it. Again, this is just an update from our team to our community members. Lots of information to come with this, or I should say results or outcomes we should say, of the IRS offering this here in years to come as well. But as promised, we did drop some links in the show notes. 
for references, for some forms. A lot of stuff that Chris and I discussed, we actually put in those notes you can take a peek at at your leisure if you have any questions. And until then, always feel free to drop us a line, email, Facebook message, wherever you choose. But don't forget to join that Defeating Taxes private Facebook group page. It's free, no cost, no obligations. Just join it. It's where our community is most active. We look forward to seeing you there on that group. And back here again next week, as always, on the Teaching Tax Flow podcast. The content of this podcast does not constitute an offer of securities. Offerings can only be made through an offering memorandum, and you should carefully examine the risk factors and other information contained in the memorandum. The content provided is for educational purposes only. We encourage you to seek personalized investment advice from your financial professional. For all tax and legal advice, please consult your CPA or attorney. Investment advisory services are offered through Cabin Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Cabin Securities, a registered broker-dealer.